from playing 18 to a full 60. Early leads to buzzer beaters. It all starts by getting on the board. Welcome inside a special episode of On the Board. I'm Colby McKee. He's Lance Dahl. Hello. And he is Corey Pekoska. Hello. And on the line, a special guest for us today on the podcast, uh, working in Cochrane, a sports writer for the local paper there, Troy. Oh, we have a Cochrane Eagle. Cochrane Eagle. His name is Troy Durrell. Thanks so much for joining us today, Troy. Hey, no worries. Thanks for having me on, boys. Uh, okay, we're this is all World Junior. If we didn't preface that, I didn't listen to the beginning. Um, I did not mention that. No, perfect. That's all this is going to be today. And we brought in Troy because Troy knows more about the World Juniors uh, than than most of us. Maybe Corey might have a little bit more knowledge than mm-hmm. than Colby and myself. But Troy, we know knows a lot. Uh, so Troy, let's kick it off with uh, Quinton Byfield, a 17 year old, makes the team, and it wasn't really a surprise, was it? Uh, no, not in my opinion, not really. He. Uh well, in the couple of games that I watched, he looked really good in camp. Um, I mean, I haven't followed him a whole lot through, like, personally watching him, but just, like, looking, obviously, when you're one of the top scorers in the OHL, you have to be a, a pretty good player, especially for being 17. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm really intrigued by him. He, um, uh, he'll likely play, uh, well, I guess he'll likely get taken right after uh, Lexi Lafreniere. Um, he's big, he can skate, uh, he can create, he can score. Um, and I remember watching uh, one of the interviews, I think it was with Hunter Jones, and uh, he said that he gets lost in the offensive zone. Um, so that's always a good trait to have when you're a goal scorer. And he sees the ice super well and could be a big part in helping Canada win a medal. Yeah, and continuing with the uh, the youth movement um, on Team Canada this year, Jamie Drysdale on the defense there. Um, there hasn't been many 17-year-olds over the past few years that have made it on that blue line. Um, you can think back to Aaron Ekblad made it for one year before he got drafted. Yep. Um, but he reminds me a lot of Ryan Ellis and the fact that Jamie Drysdale, he's not going to be the number one pick in this upcoming draft. He'll probably fall mid to late, you know, first round kind of area. He could be um, on this year's team, next year's team, even the year after team. What, what are your thoughts on Jamie Drysdale? I really like Jamie Drysdale. Um, again, I don't know like a whole lot about him, but uh, I thought he played his way onto Canada's roster as a draft eligible player, which as you mentioned, isn't a super easy thing for uh, players to do. Um, I think he'll be the first player taken off the board in June's draft. Um, obviously, he'll be the seventh defenseman, but is very good in both ends of the ice. I don't think there's really any holes in his game. Um, and it wouldn't really surprise me if he went from being the seventh D-man to working his way into the like regular rotation. Could you see him almost turning, like you said, that seventh role into more of like a Kale McCarr did last year? Because he was one of the bottom, you know, few pairings and his offensive talent on the power play, you know, prowess catapulted him right up to the, to the top ranks. And he was getting some major minutes late in that tournament. For sure, yeah. That's funny that you say that because, like, one of my notes here I have is Bowen Byram, I thought, could be that kind of Kale McCarr. There's lots of comparisons, uh, both drafted to Colorado early in the first round, um, both very good with the puck, very smooth skating. Um, yeah, but then again, I could also see Drysdale playing that role. He, again, very good skater. Uh, very good with his breakout passes and zone entries. And, yeah, um, he, from what I've seen, he doesn't look like a 17-year-old, which, I mean, yeah, like, I could definitely see him playing that role. But there's a couple guys that I could 
see boosting their way up the lineup and maybe uh, maybe being that kind of Kale McCarr type player for the team. Yeah, and it's interesting with Drysdale, like over a point per game mm-hmm. in the OHL as a 17-year-old as a defenseman, which is uh, which is crazy impressive. Uh, more on the local front for us, anyway. Uh, two Lethbridge Hurricanes are on the rosters right now, Dylan Cousins and Kale and Addison. I know there's uh, there was maybe not as much talk nationally as there was locally about whether or not Kalen Addison would would make this team uh just you know you, you see him in different aspects and he shows these flashes of brilliance and then he shows these other aspects where he doesn't want to even be on the ice mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he makes the team and uh, you pointed out to me Troy that uh you saw him and, and Bowen Byram playing together and showing great chemistry right yeah oh yeah they were really good in the Canada Russia series there um I managed to catch both of the team WHL games and the first game in particular, uh, Team WHL was down, I think, one nothing, And Byram and uh, Addison, in the like final few minutes there, like, single-handedly like, willed the team to tie it. And then Addison, I believe, scored the overtime winner. So it seemed like they had really good chemistry off the bat. It seems like they kind of play the same, similar style, I guess. And from what it looked like, Byram kind of brings the best out of uh, Addison, because as you said, there's games where he looks like he could have been or should have been a first rounder, and then there's other games where you're like, how does this guy even get picked? Right. And <laughs> yeah, like, like again, as you said, he's very hot and cold. So hopefully, um, Byram brings the best out of him because, well, as we just talked about with Jamie Drysdale, like he's a very good player. He could easily step up and take. Uh, take Addison's spot in the lineup and force him into kind of a more rotational position. Yeah, so they're obviously uh, teammates in the WHL, and there are a couple other teammates on the team. You look at uh, Gru, Lavoie, and McIsaac from Halifax, and Foodie and McMichael from London. Um, how much you know importance does it factor into the, having that, uh, that chemistry coming into this tournament? It's such a short tournament. Um, do you think they look at, uh, you know, if somebody's on the bubble, is it more, you know, if you have chemistry with this guy, or is, are they just trying to take the best players? Um, I think if they have chemistry, that that's obviously a benefit. But looking at the line rushes the, that Mark Masters posted today on Twitter, they like, and it's kind of been a trend, and I don't really understand why, but it seems like Canadian coaches don't really seem to match up players who play with one another. Like McMichael and Foodie, I'm pretty sure play together in, well, play on the same line, obviously they play together in London, but they're both on different lines. Um, Foodie, I believe, is with, uh, Delandria and Dawson Mercer, and then I think McMichael's with Thomas and Lavoie. But yeah, and then Lavoie is on a different line from Cousins or Groove, sorry. But um, yeah, I don't know. It, I could see it maybe when things get a little bit tougher, but if kind of a, right now, it seems like they're taking the best players to fill certain roles. And uh, yeah, it's always something you can fall back on and go back to if things aren't necessarily going your way because you do have that chemistry with those certain players from league play. Right. You talk about the roles, and uh, when you when you play for Team Canada, you you take on any role that is that is given to you. And I I think of a guy like Dylan Cousins playing major minutes for uh, for Lethbridge and playing center, but he has the ability and that adaptability to play wing. Uh, a lot of these guys have that adaptability, excuse me, uh, to play multiple positions. That's exactly what the coaches are looking for, right? 
Oh yeah, one hundred percent. If you can play all three positions on, like, if you're like a winger and you can play center and the opposite wing, that just makes you that much more valuable to the team because then they can move you up and down the lineup. And yeah, a guy like Cousins is a perfect example of that. Like, he didn't have a super great camp, and I mean, I know camp isn't the only thing that they take into consideration, but uh, being able to put him at center and then like with the additions of Elena and Barrett Hayden being able to move him to the wing if necessary, because they have more depth down the middle, uh, that always helps. Uh, what do you figure about the, uh, there, there's two defensemen in mind as well, uh, Kevin Ball and uh, Jacob Bernard Docker. Now Ball is huge, uh, okay. like six, seven or something ridiculous. Um, First about Ball, just what you think he'll be like on international ice. Granted, we did see a little bit of it in Oakville during selection camp. And with Bernard Docker uh, out of the U of uh, North Dakota in the States, uh, what you've seen from him, what you've heard on him, and uh, how you think he can impact Canada this year. Yeah, for sure. Well, as you mentioned, Ball is huge. Uh, 6'7", I think he's 240. Yeah. Uh, 25 pounds heavier than anyone else on the Canadian roster, which the next closest I think is Quentin Byfield and he's like 215 Um, I originally had ball off the team but I think his skating is actually really underrated Um, as you said it was only a brief kind of look in for one game but he looked like he was able to move around pretty good out there Um, yeah Bernard Docker he kind of he's a two-way defenseman He's good in his own own zone, uh, can put up points. He's not, I guess he's more known as a defensive guy. But I feel like this is going to be like the pairing that they look to when, I don't know, uh, Cole Caulfield's on the ice and other teams' top lines and try and uh, make them their shutdown pairing. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they're both, um, I think they're both stellar players. Um, but yeah, will be used in that uh, that specific role. All right, we've talked a little bit about the forwards, a little bit about the defense. Uh, let's touch a little bit on the guys that'll be keeping the puck out of the net. Uh, the three goaltenders for Team Canada so far, Nico Dawes, Joel Hofer, and Olivier Rodrigue. Um, thoughts on the goaltending picks? Um, I know Nico Dawes kind of came out of nowhere, but uh, it hasn't really. there hasn't really been a clear number one so far. What, what are your thoughts on the three so far? Yeah, I think it's a really solid group. Um there's not really like a Carter Hart or Michael DiPietro type player where one where you coming into camp, you know, okay, he's a starting goalie, but they have three solid like junior hockey league goalies. As you said, Dawes kind of came out of nowhere. And before the OHL season, Guelph was kind of looked at to be like a pretty mediocre kind of run of the mill team. And he's turned them back into like a cup contender. Um, Hoffer, again, kind of the same thing, kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, well, I guess he's really turned it on since that trade last year from Swift. Um, but, yeah, he and Dawes are both really big goalies. I think they're both 6'5", um, both really solid numbers, like 9.37 save percentage for Hoffer and 9.39, uh, I think, for Dawes. Um, Rodrigue, I guess, is a little more intriguing. He's the guy who has all the international experience. Like, he was at the U16, like, Youth Olympic Games. He's played in U17, uh, U18 a couple times. The I guess what is now known the Holinka Gretzky tournament. Um, 
and he has pretty good numbers for a, like a goalie from the QMJHL where it seems like every game is seven, six. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he is by far the smallest of the three, uh, but he's more athletic, uh, very quick and fluid with his movements. But I guess if you're asking me to pick like a starter as of right now, I guess my go-to would be Nico Dawes, um, just with how good he's been. Uh, I would, I think some would consider the O to be maybe the strongest of the three leagues and the fact that he has uh, played so well, and especially against London, the team that his coach plays for, so he sees him <laughs> a lot, I think gives him a leg up to start on Boxing Day against the U.S. This is kind of a question for the room. Is it is it unusual to carry three goaltenders? Is it because it's an international tournament and it's kind of an injury, you know, worst-case scenario? Or is it typically where they would take two? And this, the, the third goalie wouldn't even be in the question. Two, I think, for North America. And then they normally carry three for, uh, for Europe, just in Makes case sense. of injuries. Like, yeah, I'm assuming whoever they pick to be the third guy is not going to play unless things go terribly wrong. Exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah. Lineup. yeah. And I, I mean, assume, who knows? Maybe all three just rotate. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. With the, assume with the uncertainty, there's no Carter Hart. Like you said, there's no Michael DiPietro. It could be anybody's net by the time the medal round comes around. For sure. That's almost terrifying. Oh, yeah. A little bit. Yeah. It brings me back to the Malcolm Subay, Subban, you know, Jordan Bennington type of days where yeah. Canada just couldn't find a medal to save their lives. But... It was very well, nice to have Carter Hart and Michael DiPietro. No kidding. Well, and you look at, like, the other uh, teams, especially in Canada's group, like Spencer Knight, um, he is crazy good, putting up really good numbers, like, in the NCAA. And then you also have Askarov. Yes! Uh, knowing knowing uh, the Larry Bragan, he might go with the 19-year-old goalie. Good. But I think I think if they go like he loves his nineteen year olds for whatever reason, it could be Alex Ovechkin at seventeen. <laughs> he would he would play on the fourth line. That's like true. But Askarov, if he plays and is kind of like the night in night out goalie, I think Russia like their chances of winning gold goes way up. Like that's how highly I think of him. Yeah, um, Corey too. Corey fucking loves this guy. He's been a reoccurring yeah. guy on the podcast. We just keep. I keep somehow bringing him up <laughs> just because how he's going to go very high in this top graphic. five. He's Corey's calling top five to the Red Wings. Insane. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would not be surprised. Goaltenders. I always like, and most NHL teams, I think feel the same way. Goaltenders kind of scare me. Like there can be a guy who's unreal at 17 and then drop off when he's 20. And then there's other guys who are like fifth or sixth rounders who don't really amass too much in junior and then all of a sudden like find it find his game and turn the switch on and become like a year in year out all-star like well Henrik Lundqvist is a great example of that like what mm-hmm. was he taken in like the seventh round yeah something like that and even deeper yeah. maybe yeah exactly so it's yeah it's crazy but for a junior goalie and he I think he's playing like fairly frequently in the KHL but uh yeah, he he is a difference maker. Um, so is Spencer Knight. So yeah, especially in the group, um, Canada needs solid goaltending. They might not need to steal the game, but at least be able to not allow any softies that uh, will cost them. And Troy, for those who don't know, what is Canada's group this year? Uh, it is. Uh, let me think off the top of my head. 
uh, USA, Russia, Czech Republic, and Germany. Now, and the messed Germany- up part about all of that is that Canada, USA, and Russia are the top three favorites to win the tournament. Yeah. Nuts. That's well, nuts. Yeah. <laughs> which is fucked. <laughs> like- yeah, which... But I guess if you look at the positive is that it means normally, unless you get finished third and get stuck with Finland or Sweden, it should make for an easier uh, quarterfinal game where you're playing Slovakia, Switzerland. uh, I don't know if it would be magical if Kazakhstan Kazakhstan (laughs) made the quarterfinals. Yeah, Kazakhstan. Oh, totally. (laughs) I'm all about Kazakhstan. I want them to win the tournament. Could you they imagine? Need to get Latvia. They need to <laughs> um, so obviously, big helps uh, with two forward coming back in, in Joe Valeno and uh, Barrett Hayton. How much does Team Canada have to rely on those two, uh, those two guys? Rather, considering there is a lot of depth up front. Um, you know, I'd like to think that, as you said, the group is pretty talented and kind of spread out. That they're not gonna have to look at both of them and be like, okay, like we need a goal, like right now. You guys are the guys returning to. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they're two returning players, both who are playing pro. Like they shouldn't really have to get looked at. They should just like be able to go out and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, having as you said, pretty good depth down the middle, having pretty good wingers on both sides. Um, I feel like this team, if they're going to be able to at least medal or, well, and the goal is always to win gold, they're going to be, they're going to have to be very similar to like the 2018 team in Buffalo, where they had four lines that could go out and score big goals um, or chip in to some degree at some point. Uh, but yeah, like, I guess I kind of went in a roundabout way. Yes and no. Mm-hmm. Um, just purely based on the fact that they've been in the tournament, they're playing professional hockey. They should be able to be relied upon to go out and produce. But uh, if they're the only guys producing, obviously things aren't going to go super well. Right. But uh, yeah, I, I would say those two and then Alexi Lafreniere have to be your catalyst. And then everyone else just kind of follow along and do their job, and Canada should be fine. Right, right. and the the four pro Canadians that were eligible, obviously the two Hayden and uh, Valeno were lent, and uh, we found out that Kirby Doc was not. Um, by the time we post this uh, podcast, it probably will be announced. But Noah Dobson is the only one um, left on the board. We're still not sure if New York's going to lend him or not. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think New York Islanders? Um, see the development in the tournament for, for their young defensemen? Um, I, to be honest, if I were to tell you what I knew what Lou Lamorello was thinking, I would be lying. <laughs> um, let me put it this way. I think the chances of him going are 70-30 in favor of him staying put. Um, I personally think this is completely, uh, well, he's been playing a lot more, well, I guess the last three games due to Nick Letty being injured. But I think it's, I feel like they need to do something about uh, junior age players not having to go directly from the NHL back to junior. When you have a player like Dobson or Hayden, who are too good for junior, but maybe aren't quite good enough for the NHL. Um, That's obviously a discussion for a whole different episode. But um, (laughs) as of right now, I would say no. If Letty comes back, maybe. But uh, as as it's looking now, they like him in that seventh defenseman role. They like having him around, being able to see what the guys like Boychuk and Letty and those types of guys are doing, kind of 
be a part of the practices. And I, I guess, as I said, Lou is a, a really hard guy to read. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he could be thinking one thing and do something completely different. And if you would have asked me this question like a week or two weeks ago, I would have said, oh, 100% he's going. Like, he hasn't played in a game in like two and a half weeks. But now that he's back in the lineup, uh, I would say I would say the chances of Canada getting uh, Noah Dobson are fairly slim. Well, it's the, it's the same with Toronto and uh, and Rasmus Sandin. They were they lent him, and then with Tyson Berry going down, they uh, they might have to reconsider and and bring de- him back, de loan him, and call him up. Anyway. <laughs> de loan, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, give him back. Um, with the five returning players on this year's roster, it's time to pick a new captain. So mm. I guess we'll go around the room. Um, Troy, you pick a captain for this year's roster. I'm going to go with uh, Joe Valeno. He uh, has captain Canada in this age group a couple times, specifically at the Helenka Gretzky. Um, yeah, he's my choice. Okay. Lance? I'm going to go off the board just because I feel like we should all take different people. Okay. Valeno will probably be my first pick. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go Ty Smith. Oh, well. Yeah, that's not a bad one. Yeah, I'm going to go Ty Smith, the returning player. Uh, leads by example. Seems well-liked. Seems like uh, a guy that never rides too high or too low. Feel like uh, Ty Smith would be a good captain. Okay. Did I take yours, Corey? Yeah, well, I was going to go <laughs> Ty Smith for a very similar reason to Troy because he's, he's also captain at this mm-hmm. level. He captain at the U18s, the tournament that's not the Halenka that not many people really care about. <laughs> no. And then yeah, also no he's a, a captain for one of the U17 teams. So do I have to pick somebody else different? Yeah, you yeah, got to so. All right, I'll go. Do you uh, want him? I can go different. No, no. Okay. I'll, uh, you have another reason? <laughs> yeah, I, I have another, another guy I can go I'm going to go Lafreniere. Lafreniere. Really? Yeah, because I think... In a very similar reason to why Connor McDavid was a captain of Team North America, if Team Canada is going to win this tournament, I think he's the biggest going to be the biggest reason. Mm-hmm. Um, if he comes to the tournament flat, I don't see Team Canada going too far. Um, and uh, if if he if he lights it up, uh, he, we could be looking at another gold medal. I want to go to the other returning player up front, Barrett Hayden. Um, another just like talent overrides everything, and uh, I mean I'm sure he's a, a well character young man. Mm-hmm. And uh, sure, he's a great guy, great family man. Yeah, I'm sure. Why not? Yeah. And uh, I mean, I don't know where he'll slide into the depth chart when Valeno comes back. I know they're they're going to be very deep in the center region, but right. uh, I mean, he's still going to be a top six guy and uh, hopefully provide some some extra punch on the power play. So, well, and Troy, when we were talking before, did you? What was it, Valeno? That because we were talking about line rushes once, and we saw Hayton was on, or yeah, Barrett Hayton was on that first line, and then you said that there was chemistry up top with Valeno and somebody. Was that was that right? Yeah, yeah, Valeno and Lafreniere right. from oh wow summer series um, from past like again like the CIBC Canada Russia series games. Uh, from what I've read, they played quite a bit together like during these international events. So I guess my feeling is. Valeno, I think, is playing wing in Grand Rapids. I might be wrong on that. But uh, we'll say you're right. either, I, I feel like that uh, Valeno's either going to bump Hayden down and then they move uh, Bogruel down to either the fourth line or maybe the 13th forward, depending on if Aiden Dudas comes back. But um, yeah, or they're going to bump him to the wing and then they can bump uh, Cousins down to the second line center and go with. Uh, Cousins, uh, Nolan Foote, and uh, who's the third guy? Oh, Quentin Byfield. Byfield, too. yeah. Yeah, they look they look really good together in the in camp. So I would I would hope that that's kind of where they're going. Like 
the first game, they were definitely the most noticeable group. Um, yeah, but again, like as we, as I forget who mentioned it, but um, having so many players who can play center and wing, like it gives you so much flexibility to do so many different things that the team definitely has options that if they wanted to keep Hayden with Lafreniere and, and put Valeno somewhere else and then, or move Valeno back up and put Hayden somewhere else, right. then, then they could definitely do that. 100%. Uh, one guy we haven't talked about at all is also returning in Jared McIsaac. Um, he's been pretty limited so far this season in his uh, in his junior season. Um, but what is the expectation for McIsaac? Because last year he was kind of that top four role, if I remember right, but never really like he never stood out for for great reasons. But he was never standing out for bad reasons either. No. Well, other than the one game he got suspended. Yeah, well, yeah. that's true. Yeah. I mean, that's a thing, but well, like whatever. Yeah, that's also international rules. I personally didn't think it was uh, that bad. Right. You never know. Anyways, uh, yeah, just to go back to the actual question, he's playing, I think, with Smith right now, like Ty Smith, mm-hmm. um, who we all know is a very offensive guy. Um, I think McIsaac's kind of out there to kind of balance him out. Like when Smith decides he's going to jump into the play and go for go for a skate, that McIsaac will be there to bail him out. Um, yeah, he's, he's kind of a stay-at-home defenseman, I want to say. Uh, just like... He, he's very good in his own zone. Um, he's decent offensively, but I would definitely think that his role on the team would be to play defense first, uh, let Ty Smith uh, kind of do his thing offensively, and then when the opportunities are there to jump into the play as well. Yeah, and I guess I suppose he would be like like the, the Hamannick-Brody pairing in Calgary. I guess it would be similar yeah. to how Hamannick just defends the shit out of Brody. It's a good point, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, More that's very that's a very good comparison. Except I think Ty Smith's better than TJ Brody, but that's the <laughs> Fair. All right, uh, we'll start to wrap things up here. Just we'll get your your predictions on the tournament. Uh, what teams do you see doing really well, um, and and where do you see Canada finishing this tournament? Well, obviously the top five kind of grouping. Uh, you, you could go into the tournament every year and say either one of. Russia, USA, Canada, Sweden, or Finland was going to win the tournament. Mm-hmm. And every year you would be a, a pretty educated guess on <laughs> on that front. But right now, again, I guess it kind of depends with Russia on Askarov. If that's who they decide to go with, I think Fuck they're the him. favorite. I if don't not, like him at all. Dude, he, <laughs> I, I, he's probably a great kid. But he's so right-handed. How much you love him, Corey, <laughs> makes me hate that fucking guy. And yeah. Troy's calling it, though. Oh, stop. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I, it's hard to ignore talent, but yeah. with, again, Valeri Bragan, he's such a wild card. Like, Askarov could play the whole, like, uh, round robin, and then I would... 100% not be surprised if he went to a different goalie for the medal <laughs> round. Like, that's just a thing he does. Yeah. But, so I guess if they don't decide to go with Ashcroft, like he only plays like one or two games, then the favorite has to be the U.S. Uh, Spencer Knight in goal. Like, when Dustin Wolf is the backup goalie, well, yeah. presumably, I'm assuming he's going to beat out the, whatever the goalie is from Isaiah the Isaiah Seville, the yeah, medicine hat prospect. Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, but yeah, like when you have goaltending like of that caliber where Wolf is the backup goalie, um, I like I like their chances and they could even get more help with uh Bodie Wilde and uh Wallstrom from the Islanders. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, 
again, so those, I guess, are my top two. Uh, I'm not really sure how I feel about Sweden um, or Finland. They're both talented teams, but I think Sweden is going to rely heavily on their defense kind of like last year. Um, Finland, again, they're always kind of the wild card. They could come in and light it up uh, like they did when they had Pogliarvi, Line A, and Aho, or they could finish in the relegation. They're either... It seems like they either win the gold or they're not even in the conversation mm-hmm. from year to year. But I guess to answer the question right now, like without actually seeing Canada play, like I think they'll medal. I'm not sure what medal it will be. I'm going to go. I'm going to say I think they like finish in bronze, like with the bronze. But uh, if they can play to, I guess, their potential. And as you said, like Lafreniere, Valeno, uh, Hayden, they all show up and play their best. I like their chances, and if they get solid goaltending where no softies, like no muffins get by them, um, I, I think they can stack up with any team in the tournament. And, uh, yeah, it should be really interesting. This is one of the years that I've found have been one of the more intriguing kind of tournaments where, again, there's maybe a favorite by, like, a pair yeah. And everyone else is kind of like just behind them. But um, yeah, it should be should be quite interesting to watch. Yeah. Colby, where do you think they finish Canada this year? Oh, I mean, even give us your top three. Let's do that. Okay. Um, I'm going to go US one. Yep. I go Russia two, yep. Canada three. I like that order. I think I think uh, Troy nailed it on the head there. Yeah. I, I just flipped the top two. I think Russia wins the tournament. Okay. Then I think USA finishes the second. I think Canada's do for third. I just, it's I a just better don't. finish than last year. <laughs> I suppose so, yeah. For a glass half full. I would love yeah. to see them win the damn thing, but I just, I, I don't know. There's a lot of question marks to me. There is. Corey? Maybe. Uh, I think Sweden and USA are going to finish off in that uh, gold medal game. Canada really? Take the well, I think Sweden, the, the way they lost last year, oh, they just that they can't prove team, that they can that, win. I know, but that that's a different type of fire that lights it's you. True. So, I mean, especially if they get Sandine back, they might be mm-hmm. they might be there. But then again, that's I, not I a very educated uh, guess. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt there. No, but I, feel, I think I think I saw on Twitter today that the Leafs were lending him. Hundred uh, percent. Yeah. Awesome. So I think they came out with a post, but um, yeah, I guess just to not like just to touch on uh, that, so I think. Sweden, this is going to sound crazy, but I feel like they have to lose a round robin game. Right. I forgot about that goddamn streak. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if they they win all four today, I'm pretty sure it's 50. Like, or it might, or it might be 49. One of the two. But, like, like, how do you go that many games in round robin? Like, the last time they lost was 2006 or something crazy but only have, like, one gold medal to show for it. Like, I feel like they just put so much pressure on themselves. Like, yeah, okay, like, we went 4-0 again. Are we going to win the tournament? And, well, the answer is 98% of the time, no. So I feel like losing the first game to Finland, which is probably their best chance to lose, would actually be pretty beneficial for them moving forward. Yeah, no doubt. It's going to be good. It all kicks off Boxing Day. Canada's first game comes on the 26th against the U.S. Troy, you're the best, man. Thanks for doing this, buddy. 
Hey, no worries. Thanks for having me again. No worries, man. Uh, for Colby McKee and Corey Bukoskis, I'm Lance Dahl. See you later. Thanks for listening to On the Board. Subscribe now on your favorite podcast platform and find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash on the board podcast. Yes. Yes.